DPO as a service or data protection as a service or privacy as a service, what does it mean? Is it for startups or is it for everyone? How is it different from legal advice that sometimes companies ask? What are the pros and cons of having a DPO as a service? All this and more with one of the fascinating persons, Avishai Osterin, who's a privacy expert like me, and he has the experience of being head of data protection in a law firm, now providing data protection officer as a service, the DPO as a service, and wealth of experience and knowledge in DPO or privacy matters. So let's go and talk to him. Hello, and welcome to the Fit for Privacy podcast with Punit Bhatia. This is the podcast for those who care about their privacy. Here, your host, Punit Bhatia, has conversations with industry leaders about their perspectives, ideas, and opinions relating to privacy, data protection, and related matters. Be aware that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not legal advice. Let us get started. So here we are with Avishai. Yes. So did I pronounce your name well? Here we are with Avishai. Yes, 100%. Okay. So Avishai, welcome to Fit for Privacy podcast. Thank you, Puneet. It's great to be here. So as we were talking uh, before, you provide DPO as a service. You have worked as head of data protection in a company and you are also a privacy expert who's well known. So if I combine all that and ask you one strange question, if I may call it, when you think of the GDPR, what's the one word that comes to your mind? Control. Wow. And control. Yes. Maybe, maybe two words, I would say choice and control. Um, because you know, the w- one of the things that the GDPR has done, I believe, is it's shifted the paradigm between where it used to be people, individuals gave uh, um, companies their data and their information. And by the act of giving them their information, um, they somehow relinquished the choice and the control over that data. Now, whether that was legally done because that's how the legislative framework was back then or whether it was done simply because the regulators didn't have the ability to enforce the law even if the law did uh give the individual's choice um that's just the way it 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 used to work and one of the, the amazing things that i think came out of the gdpr was that um it has shifted the paradigm back to individuals and back to the people whose data it belongs to, so that even if I provide my information to a company, uh, the companies have now have greater incentive, whether it's positive incentives in the in the in the sense of uh, gaining trust and gaining more in, in their user base or um, or in the market, uh, or negative incentives in the sense that they don't want to be fined. But that has made it so that companies really uh, respect that choice and control that individuals have over their information. Indeed, it's about choice and control. And in your view, now that you provide DPO as a service, first, let's get the uh, monster out of the way. What 
is in your view DPO as a service? I mean, what does it entail? Yeah, so you know, DPO DPO as a service is, is a very interesting concept, right? A lot of times, uh, a lot of times I get asked the question, wait, how can you be a DPO if you're not part of the organization, if you're an external service provider? And in fact, if you read the GDPR, it's uh, it's actually covered right there. If we look at uh, recital 97 of the GDPR, it actually says when it talks about the data protection officer, it says such data protection officers, whether or not they are an employee of the controller. So the regulation already envisages a situation where there's someone external to the organization who's providing this service. And I think that really fits in well, if you look at sort of the tasks of what the DPO is meant to perform, right? They're meant to, on the one hand, guide and give guidance and explanation to the company on how to handle data. But on the other hand, they're not allowed to receive any instruction from the data controller or the data processor uh, to whom they act as DPO. So they have to remain uh, invo involved enough in the company to know what the processing activities are, but still be one step removed so that they can provide that sort of auditor or external uh, 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 task. And so that's the way, um, you know, that very long introduction um, is both answers the question, I think, of what, uh, you know, how is DPO as a service even possible? Well, actually it is. And in my view, it actually is favorable to, uh, in some senses, to having an internal uh, uh, function as a DPO, which, you know, is, is involved in the day-to-day -day operation of the business. And it also answers what the responsibilities of the DPO are. So when we provide, and we at Privacy Team provide DPO as a service, we'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll not only carry out the initial scoping, data mapping, understanding the processing activities, creating all of the documentation, creating the privacy program and the privacy strategy for the company, but then also uh, it's our responsibility to stay on top of and make sure that the company is actually implementing that, um, you know, that policy. So if I just give an example so people understand sort of what, you know, what we're talking about here, let's talk about data retention, right? We know that's a huge, you and I both know that's a huge, huge, huge pain point for companies. Um, you know, the fact that what you mean data actually needs to be deleted? Yes, data actually needs to be deleted when it's not necessary <laughs> anymore. Um, and so, and and we as, as DPOs, it's our responsibility to help the company create that retention based on the rules that they have and wh whichever legislation applies to them. And, you know, they may have obligations to keep the data for a certain amount of time before they delete it. Um, and then, you know, put in place that, write that policy to make sure that they have evidence that this is the way they're acting. Um, and then also make sure that the teams can implement it and make sure that it gets audited, you know, at a certain cadence, I would say once a year usually, make sure that the systems are working properly, you know, stress testing to make sure that all of the information is done uh, in an ad, all of the, the, the policies implemented in an adequate manner. Um, and really seeing it through and seeing through sort of that cycle. Um, I'll just add one more uh, thing, which I think is very important uh, when we talk about DPO as a service. Um, 
or, or an external DPO. Legislation keeps changing, right? The legislative landscape keeps evolving. Just yesterday, we had uh, uh, the first uh, 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 the the Indian uh, Parliament uh, has has uh, has put out uh, the first draft of the uh, of the Indian Data Protection, much anticipated, I should say, Indian Data Protection Law, and so companies operating in 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 that region or if they you know have exterritorial scope and the legislation is applicable to them need to know what that regulation says and need to know whether their operations need to be updated based on those these new standards and so that's something that it's our responsibility as privacy professionals and as the company's DPO to make sure that we're on top of that and to make sure that we're um, guiding our clients and our companies into compliance with those uh, new and evolving regimes. Indeed, and I think you say a very important point, which I also emphasize with my clients, because typically they think of either consulting, that is asking for help on how do you help us get started with privacy or with specific dimensions, like you mentioned, retention or records of processing activity or DPIA, or they think of, I need a DPO. Well, those are integrated environments request integrated aspects you set up your privacy strategy you implement a program and then you run it and that's what companies like yours and mine help with dpo as a service because we provide you an end-to-end -end dpo scope because if you hire a dpo what he would he or she do they would actually define a policy they would actually scope it they would actually set up a program and then the, after the program is gone they would manage the things and that's what we do as a DPO as a service, or sometimes I call it privacy as a service, but because some people are confused. DPO is to be registered in uh, legally speaking uh, with the authorities and you don't necessarily, or everyone doesn't necessarily have to do it. But you have done two roles. One, now you provide DPO as a service as a consultancy firm. And earlier you were a lawyer who was helping Correct. as a head of data protection in that unit, the company. Per se. Correct. So how do you see the difference? Because when you are a legal counsel or a legal arms person versus when DPO as a service, what differences yeah. do you see? It's That's an excellent question. I think that, I mean, and this is one of the reasons, actually, you touched on one of the reasons why I made that transition from uh, sort of legal counsel and working as a data protection lawyer to working more of a on, in more of a consultancy DPO role. Um, I think that there, you know, there are two dimensions to this. First of all, um, as a as a lawyer, right? As as if you're providing advice as a data protection or privacy counsel, privacy lawyer. Um, there are, you know, it, it's a very unique position in the sense that usually, normally, people come to their lawyer when they have a specific issue uh, relating to the law, right? They'll they'll say, okay, there's, you know, we have this regulation. We our program says that we need to do this. For you know, let's give an example. We have a data retention schedule, um, and we need to understand whether this specific legal obligation allows us to keep the this type of data for X amount of years. So it's a very sort of, um, I would say, a deep dive 
into the legal aspects of do we do X or do we do Y? Um, how should we interpret this piece of legislation? Looking at court precedent and things like that. Um, you know, there's also people who specialize in um, data protection litigation, right? So I would say that as external counsel, um, you're much more likely to deal with things like um, specific, um, very a very deep dive into the legal elements of these regulations, um, which is one type of specialization. And I know, you know, there's several people who are, you know, world class when it comes to this kind of stuff. And it's a very, you know, specialized type of, uh, of, of advice um, versus the DPO, which I think goes a little bit more, maybe not as deep, but, uh, but does go a little bit broader. And I mean, when I say a little bit broader, what I mean is both in terms of covering multiple jurisdictions, right? So a lot of times we'll have companies that come to us who are operating in 200, you know, 150 countries around the world. How do you build a privacy program? You can't build a privacy program that sort of uh, has every single one of those in every single, uh, uh, um, you know, every single way that each legislation um, uh, operates, you need to sort of have a modular uh, approach to it. And so you need to have someone who really looks at it from a high level, normally takes GDPR as sort of the gold standard and then makes adjustments as needed on a per country, on a per jurisdiction basis. So that's the broad approach from, I would say, from a regulatory perspective. And then from a comp the company itself, I would say the DPO is um, gets much more involved in the day-to-day -day operations. So speaking to the, uh, you know, the R&D team, speaking to the HR team, speaking to the relevant stakeholders in the company in order to explain what needs to be done in order to make sure and monitor the implementation of the policies that were created in order to uh, you know, and and naturally, the DPO would then also need a little bit more of a, I would say, an understanding of the actual operation of the company, the operation of the tech stack that the company uh, deploys in order to um, carry out its business, and sort of. So, I would say needs to go a lot more. You know, that while the legal counsel goes very deep into specific legal questions. The DPO goes a little bit broader in terms of um, the regulatory framework and a little broader in terms of various um, uh, units in the company and uh, um, understanding the how the, how the company works a lot a lot more deeply. Is that your experience as well when you provide this consulting? Exactly. I have a very similar experience, though I see some behavioral uh, aspects when it comes to Europe or US. So the DPO or the DPO as a service play the role of enabling, setting and executing the program or the privacy uh, compliance as a as a aspect. While you will go to an external legal counsel or a legal firm, a law firm, when you need an opinion and advice or sometimes an assurance on a certain topic. Uh, the European companies tend to use external legal counsel more for uh, advice like okay we think uh, we should use this legitimate purpose or this as a legitimate uh, legitimate basis should be like uh, a legitimate interest 
and then they will say let's get validation what is the external counsel asking while what i've seen is the us companies use quite often more as an assurance mechanism so they create a policy they will ask an opinion they are replying to uh, an authority i was working with a company and we had this uh, french authority knil coming to us and asking us some questions so i as an internal person wrote the inputs but they chose to validate it with the external counsel and get it reframed why because in us companies they tend to think if it's validated we have two levels of insurance or assurance internal person said this external also advised hence we couldn't do anything more while european culture is different but anyhow you are very right that the external law firm has a place irrespective of whether you are having an internal dpo or an external dpo as a service because when i'm now working with us clients most of them when i provide them advice are usually their legal counsels even though they have internal legal counsel are asking like morrison forester or companies like that saying what do you think this is a policy provided they will provide usually a critique saying you can add this you can do this and then they feel more safe more at ease while european they are usually safe but they would ask only if necessary while us every time they prefer to ask i don't know if you have yeah, the it's, same experience it's yeah absolutely i mean one of the things that we say when clients come and speak to us about our dpo services we don't replace the legal counsel the legal counsel has very much has their their role and they are experts in the specific area that they you know uh, specialized in and you know it's it's really um you know we, we're more of a guiding um of a guiding force um and we don't as you say we're not lawyers or some of us are trained as lawyers i did train as a lawyer i do you know i am qualified to practice law in israel and in the uk but but i don't provide my advice when i act as dpo i don't provide it as a lawyer and i can't give a legal opinion and um and so that's a very important distinction some of one thing that i found helpful that i sort of compare it to uh, for companies who, you know, to, to, to make it make sense in their mind, is it's a little bit similar to having a general counsel in a company, right. right? You can have a general counsel, they have legal qualifications, they can understand the law, and they understand sort of the legal thinking and the legal frameworks, they can, you know, look at something and assess the risk of a contract, even if they're not qualified to practice law in the jurisdiction under which the contract is governed. Um, but if you needed a specific legal opinion, if you wanted to sign off on, if your general counsel is qualified in the UK and it's a contract governed by New York law, uh, or even if the general counsel is qualified in New York, but you wanted external counsel validation, you would go to external counsel and receive that, you know, stamp of approval and input if you needed, etc. And so that's sort of how I see the relationship between DPO and uh, data protection or privacy counsel uh, external. Exactly. That's how I see. And that reminds me of a very practical example, how the three player role. So I was with a company and they needed model or standard contractual clauses embedding template. So how do you create a data processing agreement? So there are standard contractual clauses which vary based on different jurisdiction and you have other clauses. So you go, they got what we call a playbook saying, if this country use this, if this use this. 
and of course a 200 page playbook because that's what sometimes <laughs> lawyers can provide now that would be taken in and the internal legal counsel when we are framing a contract with a vendor would put in something on the basis of that so that's the legal counsel internal claim but i as a global privacy manager what i would do is i would give my subject matter expertise on if whatever textual aspects they wrote about description of service the obligations for the other vendor the security we have implemented the technical measures we have implemented the technical measures we expect from them as a vendor the uh, responsibilities we expect from them the negotiation around the audit the negotiation around how long they have to reply within of course everyone says 72 hours but how do you define 72 hours when there are three parties so those aspects i would come in as a subject matter expert the legal counsel would be the aggregator and negotiator on behalf of the company and then the external law firm gave us the template and when we have a doubt let's say we are in a tough situation we will still go back to the external firm and saying you're stuck here this company is an important client they are asking this what do we do so it's a perfect use case to articulate where everyone plays in and i was in practical sense the dpo as a service the difference being paid by that company and yeah yeah, but let's a great move, example. Indeed. Let's move into the other dimension. So we are already talking a lot about this and the benefits because the independence you talked about, the uh, neutrality or outside-in approach, ability to stay not influenced by internal party because that's what GDPR demands. But what other benefits do you see from DPO as a service? So... Yeah, I think uh, I think the other thing that's really helpful, especially for um, especially for smaller companies, is the ability to design something that works a, a service that works for them, right? So let's say you're a small startup, right? You're ten people, but you're operating in a space that has you know, highly sensitive in terms of uh, privacy. Let's say you're a fintech startup or a medtech startup, and you're going to be handling very sensitive data, and you've reached the conclusion that in, now you need to have a DPO uh, uh, because not every company requires a DPO, but if you're processing sensitive or special category data, then you, you might need one. So you've reached that conclusion, but for budgetary restrictions, for example, um, or for attention or whatever it is, uh, you don't want to hire someone in-house because you don't have the budget to do that. It's very expensive. You don't necessarily have enough work for them to, to, no. to carry out this, uh, you know, this, this position on a full time. And so I think there, DPO as a service can be extremely helpful. Now, I should mention it just in the interest of being fully transparent, the GDPR does provide and other legislation do specifically say that the DPO can also have another role within the company, meaning they don't necessarily have to be 100% dedicated to being the DPO, but you must be careful that their other role doesn't conflict with their yeah. role as a DPO, right? So they can't have any determination, for example, your head of IT cannot be the DPO, and there is specific guidance and, and decisions on that because they are determining 
how the data is going to be processed. And so they they have a little bit of a conflict in terms of, you know, uh, uh, processing activity, auditing the processing activity and making the decision about the processing activity. And so there's a conflict there. So I think for, for those types of companies as well, um, the ability to retain external um, uh, external resource as the DPO, that's extremely helpful. So that I would say, you know, on a limited uh, capacity and, and to grow it maybe as you scale, that would be very attractive. So that's um, number one, uh, advantage number one. The other advantage, um, and I'd love to hear um, your sort of thoughts on this uh, um, afterwards, Punit, because I'm sure you also have a lot of insight into this. The other advantage that I see for external counsel, especially for, uh, sorry, external DPO, especially for, let's say, smaller companies or companies operating in high risk industries, is your external DPO will be working for several clients and likely other clients similar to you, potentially even within your space. So we act, for example, as DPO for a number of companies in the medtech space. And the reason that that's beneficial is because we see things that your internal resource may not necessarily see. And we even have companies that we act for with the clients that we have that have internal privacy resource and they still come to us. And the reason that we're helpful to them is because they say to us, we're thinking of doing X, Y, and Z, what is everyone else in the industry doing, right? Is everyone else doing it this way or are they doing it that way? And that is something that an external resource will, that's working with many, many, many clients across various sectors will be able to give you what we call benchmarking, okay? A lot of these requirements are, you know, you need to put a lot of interpretation into how exactly to implement them within your company. And the ability to benchmark and say, okay, this is the requirement, here's how everyone is handling it in the industry is very much an invaluable, I think, uh, a resource and something that companies have, uh, have a lot of, um, you know, view very, very favoritively, um, favorably our, our clients um, when, we, when we're able to do that for them. So what are your thoughts on? on I think very much in sync with you. What I see is when it's a startup, like you mentioned, they usually do not have the enough budgets. And more than the budget, they don't have a need for full-time DPO. Exactly. And no, none of the in-house persons is qualified to play the role of a privacy lead or a privacy sponsor or a privacy officer. So what I or you can come in is saying, you need it half a day a week, that's fine, we will provide you. But let it be variable. When you need it, we are there, just uh, make an arrangement. So that's the best thing on a part-time need-based service, ad hoc basis, we are there to help. Second thing is the quick turnaround. You are a startup, you have 30 people, you want to hire a DPO, take six months, and then you don't know, you get the right person, wrong person, whatever, all those challenges and how much, how long the person stays. We are there, we start, we provide you a quick start because for us, it's ready to roll templates. It's uh, But more importantly, like you mentioned, we customize and adapt. I was reading an email this morning from one of my clients who referred me to another one and says, he customized and adapted the program to me. And that's what we do. You do, I do, because 100%. we don't bring in 
sometimes clients ask me how much how much will it cost i say anywhere between 100k to 100 million because if you are <laughs> or even 10000 euros or maybe zero <laughs> yeah so, maybe zero right exactly and they get shocked and then i explain them saying if you are a city bank or an hsbc then it's in the higher range but if you're right. a startup and maybe you don't process any personal data it's about creating a privacy notice and that's it and maybe some basic Absolutely. hygiene factors so it's not going yeah. to be even 10000 euros so bear yeah. in mind so that's what another thing and the yeah. third thing is what you already mentioned an external perspective your people your business people are so much into the thing they are so busy doing the stuff that they miss out and when we bring the external perspective we not only say you are doing it we say hang on i was talking to another client they were doing it this way why don't you do it like that and uh, of course the most important thing is since we are in this business and we are always doing it we also take care of the new laws if you hire a dpo he or she would get busy with the stuff because it's a complex role and if even if you need it full time we will keep an eye on like you mentioned the indian data protection law is coming up the ai regulation is coming up for an internal dpo ai regulation is oh i will see it later for us we need to stay in touch because our clients will ask that question so those are the few advantages but i want to get into the other dimension which you touched upon the startups so israel has the i mean one of the highest number of startups coming up and lot of them on privacy matters so Tell me something about that and how is that uh, uh, DPO as a service helping those startups? Yeah, so, you know, Israel has been dubbed the startup nation. Um, I'm based in Tel Aviv. Um, real picture of me from a uh, view from our uh, previous offices, actually, out of uh, Tel Aviv. So beautiful city. I recommend everyone come and if you if you do come and visit, please reach out. I would love to Absolutely. show you around. Um, and uh, and yeah, so so a lot of startups coming out of uh, of Tel Aviv of Israel companies like Monday.com and Get and Gong, and these are all, by the way, privacy team uh, clients that we work with. Um, and the yeah, the the privacy team was founded uh, around you know in 2018 around when GDPR came out, when, you know, Aner Rabinovitz, our, our founder and CEO, realized the opportunity of saying there are all of these startup companies, you know, popping up uh, around here every day. And, uh, you know, as, you, as we discussed before, there's legal counsel, right? There are the law firms and the legal counsel that's providing that service. Um, there's, you know, CISOs and security personnel because security developed much, much earlier than sort of privacy did. But there's a gap in the market in terms of people who have deep knowledge and understanding of privacy regulations and uh, can fill this, this role of DPO that in some cases is mandatory. And so that's where privacy team came to be. Um, and we, you know, at privacy team, we really work with a whole host of different types of companies from your, you know, publicly traded monday.com all the way down to, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I did a, pro a very, very, very small project for 
uh, literally two-person startup uh, who needed some quick and dirty kind of policies to put in place in order to be able to sell actually to one of our customers who are insisting, hey, we work with privacy team. We only do things if they're uh, if they're done properly. So you guys need to get all your ducks in a row in order for if you want to be our vendor. And so we we uh, we were able to do that for them. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, it's 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 really interesting work. There's a lot of um, a lot of we see a lot of challenges come up that are unique to specific clients and specific sectors, but then we also see a lot of questions that come up that are cross industry and cross clients, right? One from the recent weeks has been, uh, are we signing up to the US data privacy framework or are we waiting to see what the rest of the, what the rest of the industry is going to do and you know, figure it out from there? Um, you know, so, so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting, um, sort of questions and challenges. It's a very dynamic, um, um, world and industry that we're in. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really been a pleasure so far working in, um, you know, in this very sort of vibrant tech, uh, very fast paced as, uh, happens to, you know, in the Middle East generally and Israel specifically. Um, and, and privacy is, is no different to that. And the fast pace of the regulations being updated and, and changed and evolving has also sort of kept, always kept us on our toes. So that's a little bit about how we, how we view uh, uh, working in privacy in, in Tel Aviv. That's wonderful. And in case someone listening to this episode wants to say, I want to get in touch with Avishai or more specifically privacy team, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you or your privacy team? LinkedIn, <laughs> uh, that's an easy one. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm very active there. I respond to all of the messages that people send me. I'm very happy to uh, connect with people and one of the things that I actually posted about this week was how amazing it is for me that this, um, this sector specifically, privacy and data protection, has wonderful people, wonderful professionals, people like yourself who are, you know, always willing to sit down and have a conversation about this stuff, um, whether it's, you know, just seeing how people are doing or speaking about something that's upcoming and and uh, uh, upcoming legislation and how you're handling it. I find everyone is extremely helpful and extremely uh, sort of collegiate. And so please, 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 if you're listening, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I would love to have a chat and uh, we can take it from there. Indeed. And I think in the days of Zoom, I call it the Zoom coffee in COVID times when it was hard and everyone was at home i had a lot of messages exchanged saying let's have a zoom coffee yeah. a lot of dpos a lot of people and it allows you to stay fresh it allows you to enrich but you're very right when you say no one said no some yeah. people i was like oh maybe this is a high profile maybe we'll be busy but never ever somebody said no and that's the beauty of this profession and that's i think the right moment to also call it time for this episode, Avishai. 
So I would say very wonderful conversation, very dynamic uh, being in the same field and in the same mindset. It helps. Absolutely. So thank you so yeah. much for your time. Thank you. And thank you for having me. This was wonderful. I really had a good time. And uh, thank you for inviting me on. And hopefully uh, we'll be able to collaborate and work together in the future. Um, I always uh, I always believe that, you know, the, the collaboration and the, and the working together makes us all better professionals. Absolutely. So thank you. I would love to meet you. And if you are ever in Brussels, do not hesitate Absolutely. to come over. And, Thank um, you. And if you're ever in Tel Aviv, that invitation is uh, 100% reciprocal. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, feel free to share it with a friend and write a review. If you have already done so, thank you so much. And if you did not like the show, don't bother and forget about it. Take care and stay safe. Fit for Privacy helps you to create a culture of privacy and manage risks by creating, defining, and implementing a privacy strategy that includes delivering scenario-based training for your staff. We also help those who are looking to get certified in CIPPE, CIPM, and CIPT through on-demand courses that help you prepare and practice for certification exam. Want to know more? Visit www.fitforprivacy.com. That's www.fit the number four, privacy.com. If you have questions or suggestions, drop an email at hello at fitforprivacy.com. Until next time, goodbye.